What's up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in today's episode of Tofu Talk. For those of you who don't know us, we are two Asian Americans with very different backgrounds that are clearly shown in our personalities. This is a podcast where we'll share our experiences, mistakes, and more that will hopefully entertain you and maybe even make you think a little. We hope you enjoy the episode. Happy Sunday, Asia. Happy Sunday. Wow, that's a great nice <laughs> way to start off. It's 1048. Do I have any reason to be tired at this time? Uh, have you had your coffee yet? I did. I actually had some of your Four Sigmatic Mushroom Enriched Coffee. Plug. No, <laughs> Hashtag ad. Hashtag ad. Uh, no, but for real, that coffee is really good. Um, oh, yeah. I've loved ashwagandha coffee for a while now, but I don't buy it because it is a little bit pricey. Mm-hmm. But I think it does help with uh, focus. with focus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think those claims are very true. Oh, yeah. So what's up, everyone listening? Thanks for tuning in again. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about veganism and intersectionality, why veganism is intersectional. But before we get into that juicy topic, let's take a step back and we're going to share our yins and our yangs of the week. So, Asia, kicks off. What is your yin of the week? My yin of the week is that my lovely coworker made me, uh, made me a handmade uh, ceramic mug, and it looks so cute, and I'm so excited to get it. I feel like you've been wanting ceramic mugs and ceramic bowls and plates for like forever. Yeah, this sounds like it's coming out of nowhere, but I really love handmade um, pottery and like plates and even spoons all of that jazz my i would love to be able to make it myself one day so hopefully i can take a pottery class in the future that did she did she have a a kiln like in her house or like how did she uh she tried ordering one off craigslist and then i think it was like broken but i think she just uses one at her studio that she goes to gotcha yeah because uh that studio is actually still open so i didn't realize pottery studios they can be open with like uh, limited capacity. Gotcha. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so I'm that is definitely the yin of my week. Um, what's your yin of the week? My yin of the week is uh, with my job. I had to, we had these huge presentations. We had to get ready for. Uh, I had to do last Monday, and I crushed them. Wow. So that was great. It was a great feeling. Wow. Um, yeah, that's about it. I don't know. That's they really exciting. Really well. You were super stressed about those. Yeah, stressed, put in a lot of time, a lot of effort to prep for it. And then, yeah, I mean, it did so well that they, they asked me to record them to, to use them for the rest of the company. So that's pretty awesome. Pretty great. Wow. Yeah. And then our Yang of the week is actually going to be um, in tandem. It's going to be uh, the same Yang we both have. Do you want to talk about it? Sure. I'll, so yeah, I'll introduce it. But um, as I'm sure many of you, know about this but there was a uh, gruesome shooting in atlanta georgia um that resulted in the death of eight people and six of them were asian women um in massage parlors Mm -hmm. so yeah and it was in three different massage parlors um that uh these people were uh targeted an act of terrorism yeah, an act of white terrorism, um, even if the news headlines weren't portraying it exactly in that way. Um, there has been, as we mentioned in our previous episode, talking about Asian hate crimes, Asian American hate crimes in the U.S., there has been a surge in Asian American hate 
And although the news does not uh, identify this shooting as racially motivated, it most definitely is. And it's almost a slap in the face that it is not being portrayed that way because that is what it is. Mm -hmm. It is a Asian hate crime (laughs) in its most gruesome form. Yep. For all our Asian listeners, stay safe out there. Um, I know personally speaking, like I've never been someone to really fear for my life just going outside. I've been blessed to have that privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know even like this week going for a run, I was like looking around a little bit more than usual, kind of like a little more on edge than right. I have been right. in the past. Um, for sure. But it definitely is a um, not a wake-up call because this has always been. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just another reminder a very sad and um just horrible Mm. reminder um that there is a lot of work to be done and a lot of activism that -hmm. needs to be done so that actually uh it does tie into what we will be talking about today which is going to be intersectionality within veganism And that might sound like a crazy, complicated word sometimes, like intersectionality. It's so simple, though. It is a simple, it's simple, right? So I guess let's, let's read off the Oxford Dictionary. The Oxford Dictionary. Y'all gonna get confused from this one. Intersectionality. Okay, so intersectionality is the interconnected nature of social categorizations such as race, class, and gender regarded as creating overlapping and interdependent systems of discrimination or disadvantage. Shout out my head exploding because the definition is a lot. There's a lot of big words. A lot of big words, (laughs) especially with my second grade reading level. Um, A lot of big words to get into. Um, Now, I guess for the for our listeners, can we dumb this down? Not dumb this down. Should we? Can we? Let's pick it apart. I think. Okay, the key words that stand out to me are interconnected and discrimination. Mm -hmm. So, if you look at just interconnected, what does that mean? That means things are intrinsically affected by each other. They're they're overlapping, right? Issues. Um, Sorry, you use a big word to describe. To describe it. Really, yeah, it's intrinsically affected. <laughs> Take it. Everyone's like, John, you're an idiot. Guys, I work in finance, all right. I don't deal with these, these words. These words. You you deal with bigger words. It's different. Different it's kinds different. of big yeah. words. I, I know my vocabulary. I don't know this vocabulary. Okay. Um, Not in the SAT I think you handbook. Did great, I think you did a great job though. It's interconnected and discrimination are definitely the two words that that stand, stand out. out. The thing is that, so I think what we can often forget is that when we care for one issue, it can sometimes blind us to how that issue is interconnected with other issues. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is, for example, we're going to talk about veganism here and how veganism is interconnected with a lot of other issues. With, I mean... Almost all other issues. With almost all other issues. Anything. So veganism, just to uh, reflect, it's an anti-oppression movement. That's what veganism is, Mm -hmm. particularly for animals Mm -hmm. in uh, the farming industry um, and just any animal that is being exploited. So that is an anti-oppression movement. So the concept of oppression is rampant in a lot of other areas. So... Racism against black people, 
mm-hmm. racism against Jewish people, anti-Semitism, racism against Asian people that we see right now. Those are all the the thing that connects all of those issues is that victims are being oppressed. Mm-hmm. So that's the commonality. That's the intersectionality of all of these different issues. So it's sometimes confusing, right? Because we're in veganism, we're just talking about the we're against the oppression of animals. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't acknowledge the oppression that's happening in other issues, in other spaces to other beings. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's uh, it's important to remember and truly understand why it's important to fight for all f- fight against all forms of oppression because they are all interconnected. Yes, that was, that was a perfect way um, of breaking down this kind of more complicated wording right and and we're we're just talking through this like i'm talking i have no degree in um in this work in like oppression in history a lot of this is history too Mm -hmm. um so i don't claim to have that this is just my understanding based on what i've learned through um through a lot of instagram accounts i follow certain books i've read podcasts i've listened to really truly in this past year 2020 and 2021 so there's a lot of learning still going on so if there's anything that i say that is that doesn't sound correct i am very very happy to be corrected on it so the what was interesting is like i had no idea i mean i never even when i thought when i went when i went vegan like i kind of because i went vegan for the ethical reasons um for me, it was just I only thought of veganism. I didn't think that it was connected to anything. I didn't, right. I, I didn't realize that. And then what happened was with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, the whole uh, AV thing, the whole anonymous sort of voice listening came up. Cause right. And just for anyone who doesn't know, let them know maybe what anonymous for the voiceless is. Yeah. So anonymous for the voiceless is uh, ideally it's, it's a – I don't want to use the word extremist because we have friends who are in Navy. We've gone and, and gone, yeah, to these, gone to events. Um, gone to the events. Uh, but they, basically they are, I mean, I think their tactics are a little aggressive to an extent. What you, I, I'm trying to how, how to explain Navy. I think. I, they, yeah, go on, sorry. No, I think you, I think you were right. So like on the spectrum of activism, you're going to have people who are more activism, more, more activism, more extreme, mm-hmm. right? Relative to other organizations. So like an extreme organization um, in the vegan world might be AV, anonymous for the voiceless, because they'll say very provocative things or they'll say very, not provocative, but they'll, they'll show images of animals being murdered and all of these types of graphic things that people don't want to see right whereas a more um conservative activist organization will just educate people on uh eating vegan food yeah right there's nothing like life altering or like it's not scary to like talk about vegan recipes exactly exactly so um so the example though was that during the black lives matter movement um an eight and also the voiceless didn't they have a huge platform. I'm talking, they're, Very they're, big they're platform. probably the most famous, most famous vegan activist group there is. Right? You think them, they do a lot PETA, of good work. Yeah. I, I mean, they have done a lot to progress people's awareness of what happens to animals. No, absolutely. So they do a good job of that. But 
they like, they have a huge platform. They didn't use their platform to speak up for, and they haven't for other oppression movements, other mm-hmm. social justice movements, other types of people that are being oppressed. So like the Black Lives Matter movement, they didn't say a thing. They didn't post anything to their stories. They just remained silent. And for I think for many of us, you know, when you remain silent, that's almost as bad as right not saying anything it's been it's like the bystander effect yeah it's like you you see what's going on it's very clear that there's wrong things going on but you're just sitting there not saying anything Mm -hmm. especially when when you have like such a huge platform well you could say something i know we're gonna find this topic this later but but willful willful ignorance by definition yeah which we will get into later on yeah but so that was really kind of what caught my eye originally with intersectionality and veganism because we've had a lot of mutual friends who are posting about it, and and also there's a lot of other things AV's done that has been um, incorrect. I think the most uh, disheartening fact about Anonymous for the Voiceless is that when, because they have open comments right on mm-hmm. their Instagram uh, posts, they had people reaching out to them saying, "Hey, like, can you please speak on?" your stance in regards to what's going on with the black community. Can you talk about how this is also, or can you at least speak on this um, and say what you feel about what's going on? Because a lot of other organizations in the vegan community were standing Mm -hmm. up and saying, what is going on and happening to black people in the world right now is not okay. And it's just another form of oppression of innocent people innocent beings right and so as a vegan organization they were they were highlighting that and saying that they understood this was just another form of oppression Mm -hmm. but what av did was they actively did not like they actively didn't they put a video up saying like no we're not going to because it was like they said something very very much along those lines i can't remember the exact words but they were basically saying veganism is not intersectional yeah um which essentially means that they they don't believe that other mat uh, other issues are worth talking about mm-hmm. um which is unfortunate and it, it goes against what what the truth is which is that until all of us are free none of us are free mm-hmm. um and uh i don't know if you've heard of this concept have you heard of um uh oppression olympics I've not. I've heard it go around a little bit. Um, I can't speak on it completely, like, but I know it, this is a form of oppression Olympics. It's like this issue is worse and needs to be like highlighted more than that issue. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like it's this hierarchy you're playing with of like my oppression is worse than your oppression. So like I'm gonna focus on mine and you focus on yours. But like this one, you know, like trying to find like which one is more. Um, more oppressed but so it's kind of an issue of that but anyways so i I know i guess this is not i guess in regards to veganism intersectionality but like even with what i've just seen over the last week or two um when it came to like the like the like also a lot of anti-asian racism or anti-asian hate that's been going on i've seen people posting about how like uh how like like basically like uh how Asians didn't come to help in the BLM movement, so they're not going to come help us. Mm. Which I was like, what is, huh? What, guys? Like, this, I'm, I, I don't know. I just, I just, a lot of it's confusing. I think a lot of it is just unnecessary. It detracts from the actual issues mm-hmm. 
Um, and it doesn't solve any of the problems that we're trying to fix. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I like that you brought that up um, because when we're talking about like anti-racist, like being an anti-racist, like that means you should include anti-racism of all of its kinds. Mm-hmm. Anti-race, anti-black racism, anti-Asian racism, anti-Semitism. Like all of these are just different forms of racism. Um, and that's why like we should be against all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess when it comes to veganism, intersectionality, though, what, I guess, when did you first start thinking more? Because also you went vegan for a challenge, Asia, and then you kind of got into also the ethical side. That's kind of how, I, I mean, you got me to start watching different documentaries, um, reading more about, um, the different ways, you know, veganism affects the world. But I guess when did you become more aware of like the intersectionality of veganism that makes any sense yeah no that makes a lot of sense i think i started to realize only only within the last two years um especially during the rise of the black lives matters movement but it started to happen when i was following um i began following a lot of different uh, vegan accounts mm-hmm. um, on Instagram just to get like recipe um, recipe inspiration and just learn more about veganism and it started to become more aware or more present in my mind that a lot of like uh, a lot of veganism was very whitewashed Ooh, and okay. I didn't realize until some of the content creators who are people of color, started to explain this whitewashed uh, veganism. And I know that might sound a little confusing, so I do have this this post saved, and I wanted to share the definition of what is white veganism. I like this. I like the directions it's going in. Okay. Give it to cool. us. Cool, cool, cool. Um, okay, so what is white veganism? White veganism is essentially mainstream veganism. Uh, plant-based eating and veganism has been historically supported and and advanced by people of color, yet despite this, mainstream veganism is still dominated by white people. This maintains white supremacy in our society by excluding education from BIPOC experts, speakers, researchers, scientists, doctors, and more who are denied the same platform as white people of the same role. So that was a, I think that was a really good definition. Also, just to give credit, that was from um, the account uh, I Loves Life. Uh, so she is an awesome uh, resource for understanding a ton about uh, being an intersectional mm-hmm. vegan. Um, and what I mean by that is just being somebody who cares yes. about all issues. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes so- I like to say that instead of saying uh, intersectional, just somebody who cares about all issues. Yeah, I do. It's a little bit cleaner um so question right yeah 
so when I when I first heard this, I remember I was a hater. I, I remember I got in like not like an like an argument, but like a discussion with one of your friends about intersectionality and veganism. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because I just didn't understand it, I'm a very hard headed person at times, and I yeah. was I was like, no, I get what AV was doing. They just wanted to focus on their one goal because that's what. They, and right. I was wasn't educated back then at the time, but but it's understandable, right? Because oh yeah, it's very understandable where you're coming from. Because um, like, I, I mean, this just comes down to like when I talk about like when we talk about more like the self-help stuff like prioritizing your goals and right so like if you are av and your goal is to you know your main focus or most of your time goes to is to animal oppression that's fine but you should definitely still use you should you should not not you should not you should not actively denounce exactly exactly so that's where i think i was like no i get it they're just focusing on their goal but i was i didn't understand the whole point of like yeah like do cold posts rake do do what you can, like with the time you have spared yes. from your other thing to to talk about it. Exactly, exactly. My thing with white the white supremacy and veganism and white and white veganism. When I first heard that, I was like, "What is this term? Like, oh my god, another, <laughs> another term another thing I have to, I have to think oh. about." Because I was like, I was like, "How is veganism and white like? How does this even?" what what like this makes no sense but after obviously i mean we both have a lot of uh good connections now in the vegan community of activists of smart people who um do a great job sharing digestible information about these topics it really helped me get a better understanding um of this and and then this goes back to when we talked about earlier about cultural appropriation this really kind of comes into hand here as well Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. Do you want to get, get share some examples or? Yes. Okay. So, so we so I explained what white veganism is. Um, and I think it's easy to give examples of it. Yeah, I think it's better. I agree because it's just like, like they like a like this definition says it's like white veganism is essentially mainstream veganism. It's like making these pretty smoothie bowls and like all of these um, like cruelty-free things and not acknowledging that veganism is not 100% mm-hmm. cruelty-free in any way. No diet is cruelty-free because all the food that is grown uh, and harvested for us to eat, um, there's a degree of cruelty in that because a lot of these uh, farmers are often marginalized people. Um, and so you have these systems that are they're founded on oppression mm-hmm. of certain communities. But obviously, veganism is light years ahead of being more cruelty-free than uh, Other diets that contribute to, uh, like, the active slaughtering of mm-hmm. animals. Um, but so an example of, of white veganism is actually cultural appropriation. Um, and we... Let's talk about maybe what cultural appropriation looks like in food blogging. And this might seem all over the place. Like we're talking about white veganism, cultural appropriation, food blogging. But one example of um, of white veganism is when you don't, like let's say you're a white vegan food blogger and you're making a thai summer roll recipe uh and you're putting peanut sauce inside of the wrappers and you're putting rice rice and random things that would not even be close to being a thai summer roll Mm -hmm. like thai summer rolls 
like the basic knowledge is that like I'm not even Thai, but I know for a fact that Thai summer rolls do not you do not put so- peanut sauce inside of a Thai roll. It's for dipping. Mm-hmm. And also, you use vermicelli noodles. Not rice. Not rice inside of the wrap. But if you were to go on Google and look at, type in Thai summer roll, the number one option you're going to see is someone doing this. It's someone Literally, with yeah. hundreds of thousands of followers. And the, the main post is some white guy posting about Thai summer rolls. And it's just cold, like, incorrect. It's, it's not just how you incorrect. Make it. And so this might bring up the question, oh my gosh, Asia, like, come on, like anyone can make Thai summer rolls. Like you could, like, you're going to tell me that I can't make this food. I like eating this food. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you're going to be a food blogger and make a recipe and advertise it as Thai summer rolls and profit off of it and make a hella money off of this recipe that's coming up on the number one hit when you google thai summer rolls um and you're making a ton of money off this and you're not once even attributing or like acknowledging the culture from which your uh your recipe is inspired by if you don't even talk about it do a little bit of research like show some inkling of like research of where you're getting this recipe um from then that is cultural appropriation but Asia, but Asia, I'm a, I'm a food blogger. I'm not an activist. I don't care. <laughs> to be honest, I don't care. Well, that's the thing I think goes backwards. Where, where yeah. it's, if you're like if you're a vegan food blogger, if you're making these different types of foods, different cultures, it's all intersectional. Yes, this is where it comes back around, where it's all connected. All these different forms of discrimination. I love that. It's yeah. all connected. Yes. No, I think that was a super, super good point you brought up because a lot of people will be like, oh, I'm like, you're being so dramatic. Well, you are. What, I'm so, I just appreciate <laughs> the culture. It's cultural appreciation, not appropriation. Mm, that's, oh, that's so true. Actually, there was a post on that that I wanted to share with everyone. Oh, whoops. <laughs> There's my Instagram. Um, I have my Instagram just open. I'm just like, it's capital, it's, uh, not capital. It's cultural appreciation, capital appreciation. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I'm a finance guy. Can't you guys tell? Oh my gosh. Um, no, but okay. So the account that I mentioned before where I read the definition mm-hmm. of white veganism, um, I love life. Great. Page. She all, yeah, great page. Um, great informational like swipe throughs. So I'm actually looking at another one she created. Um, the title is cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. Um, oh, and she actually reposted this from a different account, but I love that she uses her platform to mm-hmm. like uh, repost really good information. So cultural appropriation is, and I'm reading this, um, the act of taking or using objects or elements from a culture that is not your own, especially in a way that reinforces stereotypes, doesn't represent their original meaning, or lacks an understanding or respect of the culture. And a lot of what these uh, white vegan or just white blog food bloggers in general are doing is they're just stripping the culture away and being like look at this cool new food that i completely discovered on my own like matcha latte tempeh like like all these superfoods like chia seeds like not understanding that these have been around in many different bipoc uh bipoc cuisines for ever thousands and thousands and thousands of years and just the the key thing is that they're making profit off of these things mm-hmm. it'd be different if you were just like making this at home for mom and dad or for a dinner party but you're 
actively making money off of this as part of your business. So that's where it comes into play where you need a, it's like copyright. It's mm-hmm. like if I steal your idea and then I just start making tons of money off of it, you'd be pissed. Asia, the thing is, I'm going to start making my own food blog of just cheeseburgers and french fries <laughs> and appropriate that culture too. Oh my gosh. Uh, not give them credit where credit's due. Oh my goodness. But yeah, but so the way to not do that and the way to be intersectional in your, let's say you're a food blogger, the way to do it the right way is to be appreciating the culture from which you're drawing inspiration from. So the definition of cultural appreciation, which we can juxtapose against cultural appropriation. So cultural appreciation is the act of honoring, respecting, and learning about another culture as well as its practices and beliefs. So, like, let's say you're making that Thai summer roll dish. You write up a little bit about uh, the background behind Thai summer rolls I don't by think, doing your own research. For, for me, I don't even think it's going that far. I think if you do the research and you yeah. educate yourself on what like what goes in a, like a proper Thai summer roll. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I know, like, for example, another example that, that we saw was ramen, right? We saw a lot of, oh, like, yeah. top, like, one of these recipes, like the, number, like, one, like, the number one recipe on Google was, like, making ramen and it was like like they use rice noodles and which is not it was the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen in my life i was like i was like it's it it looks tasty like it looks like a delicious noodle soup but that's not ramen freaking ramen exactly (laughs) so so like if you just did like the research to understand what goes into ramen because there's a few key ingredients that is generally in any type of traditional ramen um so like just even if like if i saw somebody post a trick like a like, hey this is ramen and they use the right ingredients to me i'm like that person did their research they, yeah. they looked up like what goes into this traditional dish because yeah. you know what i mean so i don't think it's like you have to write up all about it yeah. i just think like showing that you yeah. care showing that, that you, you care did the research is what totally what matters more to me than, totally. than them being like oh this is the traditional ramen this is a you know whatever their definition might be i don't need that i just need them to show me that they they, they cared I completely agree with that. I think that's you. You can see, especially with all of the visuals we have on or these videos with TikTok, like you can see something that took some research. And I, I also feel like when people do things like this example of the, of the person with the rice noodles, like it's a it's it's offensive. Like I I I, I like it's it's like I'm not Japanese, so like I can't talk right. about ramen, but like. But, like, for me, I'm like, that's not ramen. Like, that's not what my grandma makes. And, yeah, to me, I'm just like, well, that person, like, like there's, it's, it's, it's rude. I, it's I, very I rude. Disrespectful. Yeah. And it's like, who are you even to just come in here and say that that's a ramen recipe? Say, like, if you're going to do that, like, say it's uh, inspired by Japanese ramen, but this is your own take on, yeah. like, a noodle soup dish. It's just, give credit where credit's due, man. Like yeah, that, it's yeah. as simple as that. We had a lot, a lot of talk about with these topics. <laughs> yeah, but so okay, are there anything else? Uh, any other key areas that we wanted to talk about? So we we just a little recap. We were talking about trying to break down what intersectionality is, how veganism is intersectional, mm-hmm. how you can include all types of. Uh, anti-racism in your activism whether that be black people jewish people asian people uh a form of of uh cultural appropriation 
um, in food blogging. Yep. Talk about that. Talk about white veganism. White we veganism. We gave some examples of people who are against intersectionality within veganism. Um, gave some examples of cultural appropriation and, and white supremacy within veganism. So mm-hmm. um, I think we're good. I think what I want to end this with is letting you guys know we have our first guest coming on our episode next week. It is a fan favorite um, so really excited and really looking forward to that conversation. Super excited. We will probably touch upon some of these topics maybe mm-hmm. um, within it. Mm-hmm. We're going to hear about what that individual is up to um, as well. It's going to be, I know we're both very excited for that conversation. Very, very excited. Um, and I just want to leave one, one last thing. So a lot of this episode, we were making some critiques about veganism, right? We were talking about um, some extreme organizations and within the um animal welfare uh world and also just like white veganism and i want to say that like critiquing veganism is important critiquing any type of movement is important but it doesn't mean that uh that like you are any less of a vegan or any less just by because i think a lot of times people might be afraid to speak out and be like, oh, I, I disagree with this aspect. But no, it's like this. these are these are things that we need to um, address within our own movements to make them better. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just something I wanted to um, to say. So I'm still and very, very, uh, very, very for a lot of what these vegan organizations do. Oh, I what's was, up? <laughs> I was going to say, and that's why we appreciate all of your feedback as well. Yes. All the feedback you guys give us, how we can make this show better how we can make the show whoa Ooh, how we can show. make this the our conversations better the information we provide you all with yes better is because of the critique so we appreciate it yes perfect way to end it um thank you so much everyone and yes please stay tuned for next week's episode where we have our first guest who are we, we are super excited woo. to have woo, woo, woo. okay bye have a great week bye see ya <laughs>